This is the State of the Markets podcast. Welcome, Paravel. Hi. Hi, guys. Nice to see you. Great fan of all your work, videos, fantastic stuff. Oh, you're too kind. Um, so would you like to introduce yourself, your, your backstory to our listeners, please? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, I've, I've had a sort of uh, career, I guess, that, that, uh, that describes most people in the modern age where, you know, I've been in financial markets and uh, uh, been in politics a bit. And uh, I've, I've, I don't know, raised a family for many years. So uh, I've, I've tried to um, do well in, in as many areas as I can. Um, I think, I suppose the, the defining feature of my career is that I think very early on, I recognized that being an employee of a corporation uh, is, is just not a very good bargain. And so uh, I've, I've done things independently for most of my career. And um, it doesn't mean it works for everyone, but it has served me well, because I think that um, employment is, is, a, is a very bad bargain, by and large, uh, for most people. Um, and so, I, uh, it's, it's, it, so I've concentrated more on, on building myself individually rather than trying to fit into a corporate tribe, if that makes sense. That implies to me a, a, a degree of what, what Nassim Taleb might call robustness. Would that be fair? <laughs> well, I hope so. Yes, to some degree. Yes, yes. It's it's certainly um, clearly very important psychologically to most people to belong, and and I think we saw this most clearly in the COVID nineteen whatever scam that that most people are so desperate to belong, to be part of the tribe, to not be ostracized, to not be signaled as being um, you know, contrary to, to the, 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 the current wind, that despite the fact that most of the measures that, that were clearly insane, people you know, continued to do them regardless of the fact that they would admit and they knew themselves that the things that they were doing was in, were insane, that the masks and the taking the temperature out of shops, outside of shops, and it's just, just total insanity, but they would rather die than think for themselves and and so that that has been a revelation to me over the last few years, and and yeah, that's that's where we are, unfortunately. Would you care to comment on the the, the derivation or the origin of, of Paravel? Its significance. Paravel, Paravel is. I mean, I got it because it it uh, it's from Care Paravel in Narnia, really. To be honest, and uh, the idea is that that uh, there's a parallel world or parallel civilization where time has a different meaning and. Uh, and so uh, I, I don't know I like this idea of parallel worlds and the idea of parallel is <clears throat> effectively to create a sort of decentralized state if, if, we're getting some, we're getting decentralization. some so, sorry we're getting some clicks on the line um, from your microphone oh. if you could just watch that please because mm. it, it, we, we can't hear what you're saying properly sorry better uh, yeah that's better Sorry, yeah. so you were saying about Paravel? No, I'm just saying that, that I think that, you know, we have in this world a sort of uh, crisis of over-centralization. Effectively, everything is centralized and uh, we need to emphasize decentralization much more. And, you know, the tools are starting to emerge to do that. And so the idea of Paravel is Paravel, parallel, parallel state, etc. So that, that's, that's where it comes from. How 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 do you think this 
if this this let's call it I mean that sounds like a quite polite way of describing it, this this move towards centralization um if it can be um reversed or ideally destroyed through what mechanisms could that happen because to my way of thinking the only way it can happen is through I'm mean, I'm thinking in a very sort of crude linear way of things like military tribunals and people getting what they deserve for being conspicuous bad actors but that's only on the basis of you know, I see what I, I see on a daily basis on Twitter, and I think well, there's a lot of people that know pretty much. They seem they seem to know pretty much everything about this scam, including the the identities of the major protagonists. But the the people I see on Twitter are not necessarily the, the, the reflective of wider society. Mm. So how does it? How does it? How does this get stopped? I, if it can be stopped, well, I like think it has to be has to be capable of being stopped. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is I mean, this is sort of the idea of parallel, which is a really an entirely conceptual idea but but basically i mean the 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 command and control technocrats the centralists have i think we could say six main vectors of attack um social media so censorship of all dissent um ideally self-censorship but otherwise direct censorship which we see every day um, and that an example a good example of that would be trump getting cancelled a good on twitter trump getting cancelled but all sorts of people get cancelled every day regularly, mm. and and if I if I sort of put myself forward, uh, you know, I I gave up on open social media. All my accounts are private. I I want to participate in the discussion, but I don't be mm. because uh, it's so dangerous to say anything truthful. And they talk about disinformation, but what they actually fear is information. They don't want information to spread, not disinformation. They call it disinformation. What they mean is they don't want information to spread. And so they don't want original thought, critical thinking, any of these things to spread. And so uh, slightly flattering to myself, but, but I flatter myself that when I put these things out, instantly they're uh, cancelled, trolled, I'm made to look bad. A record is made of them, sort of secret police style. Uh, maybe not of me, but of other people. Certainly, that that's true. So, so that's the second thing: is they use surveillance and a sort of social credit score, which I'm sure they're they're operating sort of shadow social credit scores already. And then the the, the third way that they're trying to effectively manage centralization and ensure full centralization is this sort of biosecurity state, so that you have control from pharma through medication. And uh, they're also pushing their way towards this idea that that if you're a dissenter, you're mentally ill. That's why they, they talk about mental illness so much, because they're trying to suppress dissent. It's not because they actually care about mental illness, because because they're trying to suppress dissent. And, and um, you know, in, intense and continuous psyops is sort of the fourth way in which they maintain centralized control. So, so we have basically a constant stream of lies every day. Look out! Look out! Look out for the monkeypox. <laughs> no, but I mean, almost every day, monkeypox is today. You know, there's this, there's this insane war, and and all this Churchillian bluster a few weeks ago, and now they seem to have forgotten that because it's not going so well. And then we had two years of the most insane sort of gaslighting and propaganda um, in terms of COVID nineteen, and and uh, as far as I can say, people. Are, are sort of so easy to move around, like it's moving around people on a leash. It's it's just terrible how how easily they're able to move move opinion and people around. And the, the fifth thing is more deep seated is education. So effectively, 
the whole of the state education, even well, all the education system is sort of designed to undermine traditional family structures, traditional beliefs, and to impose a sort of wholly new religion. And and the the sixth the sort of sixth vector attack is money. So this is the idea of of central bank digital currencies, of universal basic income, of handing out furlough, and and this and and the idea ultimately is to cut off access for dissenters uh, to money, goods, and services. So they they're going to starve out the, the the small amount of dissent that that remains. So that 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 is sort of the plan. And so the idea of parallel is to see what, if anything, we can do about it. And the idea is to create um, a sort of parallel structures that, that, that don't, uh, you know, that don't, that, that support decentralization. And, and so that, that's, the, that's the, the sort of idea. How long do you think this has been going on for? I mean, I, I would trace it back to Paul, on a, I think it was the end of 2020, um, alerted me to the documentary Zeitgeist, which I think came out in 2007. And I watched that just before Christmas that year, and it blew me away. Uh, that strongly suggests that, let's say, what we were told about 9-11 has some, some distance from the, the, re- the reality on the ground. How, how far back do you think that this has been going, going on for? Uh, I'm tempted to say something sort of like, since the beginning of time yeah yeah but but i think that but it seems to have really accelerated over the last few years it's accelerated exponentially because they have to up the ante because the internet upped the ante against them if that mm, so, sure so effectively up until the early 90s they could relatively easily control the narrative they could relatively easily um I mean, because they ran the newspapers and they plant any articles they like, mm. different newspapers and the, the theater. And it was all fairly gentle. And, and then they didn't have to be as aggressive as they're being now. But, but you know, from the early 90s onwards, the, uh, they've had to up the ante dramatically. And, and they are now at such extreme levels that it's clear that, that the battle is effectively existential, mm. I think. Um, and uh, so, so certainly... But a lot of things strange, like sort of date from the early 90s. So if you take things like this, um, I don't know, we call it the sexual revolution, the, the LGBT stuff, etc. The the sort of undermining, the fa- you know, the family is terrible, what, males are terrible, etc. I mean, there, there's a sort of conference, and, and then there's an Earth conference in 1992, but there was a sort of family conference in 1992. And so I think that 1992 would be in in the short term in the modern age my answer mm. 1992 marks um just before uh clinton comes to power right mm. um and uh, oh no clinton was elected in 92 I, that's right so clinton that that's that's when the really nasty stuff started when clinton comes to power and then blair comes to power and these people are the, the high priests of this this revolting globalist sort of revolution if you like and, mm. and it marks the coming to power of 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 like the woodstock generation of 68 the people who at 19 were idealistic they have become everything they were against and 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 they came to power in 92 pretty much in the u.s mm. seven in the uk and since then uh yeah it's all downhill from there <laughs> 
Is there possibly another explanation for what's what's going on? I mean, if you talk about um, posting, for example, on social media, and I think whatever view you have, if you you post on social media, you're going to get basically trolled by any any side. Um, and do you think that this could also be potentially explained by, you know, for example, the the whole idea about gender being fluid and and this this idea that that there is i don't know even how to describe it because it's so flaky but this this idea that you can decide what what gender you might be on a certain day and all that um is isn't another explanation for that the end of a cycle and i've we've heard that at the end of a a kind of super cycle of of um human development you end up with people being obsessed with first of all gender and second of all celebrity chefs is another one um so could it just be that this is the end of a a a, a an empire and it, we include obviously that's america so we're starting to see the demise because that's that's the the cutting edge of it all um as opposed to some plan that uh, is 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 being hatched in the background um i mean i think it's a, a sort of combination of of them i mean i i i also like cycle explanations i think that that is a good that is a good thought um and there's this book called the fourth turning by strauss how everyone talks about and and the idea is that basically the period from 2020 to 25 is is this five-year period of basically war and the previous turning was the second world war and so on and so on backwards to the civil war and then so on and so on, backwards and, back. and 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 they have these cycles and, and every every now and then we have a five-year period of war in which the sort of idea is that the anglo-american whatever anglosphere uh, goes through these phases where they decide the direction for the next whatever period sort of the next few generations and uh and i think there's a lot to be said for that and i mean clearly this period um 2020 to 25 i mean almost to the day is is a, is war so so and covid-19 is metaphorical war against humanity against the population um and now we have a hot war um possibly going to end in an even hotter you know terrible unthinkable sort of disaster but, but but basically it's war and uh and uh so so yes I, I think we're in we're in the war but no one sort of accepts that or recognizes that or, or talks about it and and in war you know the first casualty of war is truth and so that's why we are surrounded by lies as far as the eye can see and uh and this also ties into a book by peter turchin which is i think you know, also very interesting. And um, war brings peace, and peace brings war. And so the idea is somehow that you know, when there's peace, you have this sort of what's called the overproduction of elites. And then when you have too many elites, there's not enough land or virtual land or or money or jobs or status to give out to all these people who who think of themselves as elites, effectively. And so you know, th therefore they war with each other to try and define their status and to try and gain status for themselves. And so so we're also, I think, that in that period where a long period of peace has broken down and now we're in war. And and so when uh, the result will be that a lot of people will die, sadly, 
and and that brings peace effectively so so that's that's sort of supposed to be optimistic in a funny sort of way but but that that is something i also think is going on when we met uh, after one of the freedom marches i think last summer you had an you, you voiced an intriguing theory in relation to developments in the energy market, which at the time was moving, but nowhere near as dramatically as it's moved in recent months. Would you care to, ex- if, 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 would you care to expand on that theory? Uh, <laughs> remind me what my theory was. I, I think, I think I, from what I recall of it, and several pints of Aspals had already been consumed by myself at this point. So I'm, I met this maybe pure invention on my part, or maybe hallucination. But it, I seem to recall it was in relation to the, the acknowledgement amongst the elites that the price of energy was was basically too low, it was too low, and therefore there had needed to be some mechanism to release it to a, a let's say a fairer value. Oh yes, a market value. The the thing is because I mean, developments in energy have been truly crazy the last couple of years. Yes, yeah, no, that's right. I mean, I think the the thing is is that um, from sort of the seventies or, or whatever, whenever the the last compact was reached. Um, you know, they've been able to um, print money to buy energy uh, effectively and uh, through a sort of combination of, of, of control, if, if I put it that way, um, they, they can keep the, they've been able to keep the price low or declining in real terms. But, but effectively now, um, you know, the inflation has started and uh, they can no longer obtain energy with printed money. Um, so, so the key metric really is this idea of energy return on energy invested. So how much energy do you need to produce an additional unit of energy? And so effectively, we are at the EROEI bound. And so um, because they perceive that, they can no longer get free energy, deliver free energy, um, they are trying to get the population used to energy poverty, and that's where lockdowns and net zero and all this green stuff comes in. And and that's why there's a sort of world war underway. So it's a proxy war for energy sources, more or less. And Russia saying, we won't accept printed money for energy anymore uh, is, 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 uh, is a declaration of war on the entire Western sort of system, which relies on... Uh, exploiting energy producers to transfer the value to energy consumers, if that put, if that if that is is a way of expressing it, um, uh, does that is that sort of what I was saying? I, th- I think that's I think it's a very fair and I think it's a very fair synopsis. The other thing that you you mentioned much more recently was uh, an observation that I was previously unaware of that even at the height of the Second World War, the BIS, the Bank for International Settlements, the central bank, central bank always acknowledged and respected the property rights of Nazi reserves, i.e. gold reserves. Whereas much more recently, you've had the Biden administration somewhat arbitrarily freeze Russian assets abroad on the, on the confected justification of the invasion of Ukraine. And therefore, at a stroke, I mean, I, I'm, I'm reminded of, I think it's from the thick of it, um, where Peter Capaldi or one of the characters in that says, "You're like a you're like a clown running over a minefield." That the, the Biden administration is so clumsily, ham-footedly, ham-fistedly blithering about. There are all kinds of unintended consequences arising from these policy grotesque policy errors. One of them being 
if you basically nick Russia's reserves and invalidate Russia's foreign reserves, not only do you hugely destabilize the world economy, but you also validate Russia's decision to effectively re remake uh, a gold-backed currency in the form of the ruble, which changes everything, not least it, it, it accelerates the death of the petrodollar. Mm, yeah, no, that that's right. I mean, so people, so I mean, I was I was really unaware of that fact about the the BIS. But you think people have no, most people seem to have little or no idea of just how extraordinarily stupid the Biden administration and and the uh, the West the Western alliance more generally is being right now. I mean, I mean, uh, yes and no to all of that. Um, I, I mean, yes, the Biden administration is, is 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 terrible, and Biden himself is is unbelievably embarrassing, and and obviously there's a string of terrifying revelations in relation to his son, and it's clear that you know there's all sorts of horrendous stuff going on in terms of money politics, shall we say? And, and the- do, you, do you think do you think the Biden do you think Biden will last a full term? Uh, or will he be, be thrown under the bus fairly soon? It's very remarkable that having denied the Hyder Biden laptop story, having you know sort of said that's that's totally unacceptable. How dare you put that forward, etc. And that's total lie. They, they all said that, and it was shut down by Twitter and all these things in October, you know, when, when Biden was about to be elected. Now suddenly they've they've said, oh yes, that does exist, and that was true. So I think within. Within and I'm no expert on this at all, so I'm straying into things that are really. Um, but within the Democratic Party structures, I suspect there are two camps, and they're fighting with each other. So there's whoever controls Biden against whoever controls whoever else, probably the Clintons, I imagine. And so effectively, they're trying to undermine Biden by producing all this stuff about Hunter uh, now, whereas previously they denied it existed. And and it's such an incredible power play they have where. They're able to lie, barefaced lie, six months ago, a year ago, uh, criticize people for saying that, that whatever, and then turn do a 180 and say exactly the opposite when it suits them. Mm. And, and they, have, they have no regard for truth, honor, decency, dignity, consistency. None of those things matter. A single jot to them. They, are, they will do anything. And, 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 and so that... So I suspect he may not last the full term, but I think the problem is that they can't put Kamala in place because she's almost as bad as he is, um, effectively. I mean, well, she, she's almost worse because she's not actually senile yet, technically. That's true. That's a good point as well. But, but basically, she's so bad, she looks like a deer in headlights whenever she's at a press conference. Mm. And, uh, you, you know, it just, it's just so embarrassing. Uh, it's it's just so so terrifyingly embarrassing and and poor. The good thing, in a way, I suppose, is that things in the US and the UK are not run by these people who are just mm, puppets. Yeah, it's they're run by whatever we call them, the deep state or the civil service or whatever, whoever is pulling the strings behind the the scenes. And and so, in a way, it sort of doesn't matter that they're so embarrassing, other than. It's sort of two fingers up to the population to say, look, you know, we we loathe you so much. We don't even pretend to give people who are vaguely honest or decent anymore. We just put in whatever clown we feel like. 
Um, so that's that's the takeaway I have from that. In terms of the the, the reserves, though, I mean, um, the the thing is, is that again, it's the sort of existential death throttle between between powers, and so. Uh, I think the, the 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 confiscation freezing of whatever of Russian reserves, which clearly I think did surprise the Russians because they they had this naive belief that international law still existed, whereas mm. it doesn't. Right? Mm. So so the Russians were taken aback by that, but that was intended to send a message to China to say, mm. if you dare to step out of line, see what we did to the Russians. We'll show them. We showed them, and we'll show you. So China is probably scrambling. We, we we ended up giving them the strongest currency in the world. <laughs> well, it, indeed, indeed. But the the point about the strongest currency in the world, I'm I'm a huge gold fan and all these things, etc. But but the 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 sort of the thing that I have missed for twenty years, and I'm now finding out to my cost, is that the, the dollar system is is it's sort of it's so evil and so crazy. That that weakness is strength. It's like all, all mm. in a sense. Mm. And so effectively, because the dollar has established itself as the liquid currency and the currency in which everyone incurs debt to each other, and because we have a debt-based system, um, when the system contracts, if I put it that way, mm. the dollar rises. And so and so it's counterintuitive. You would think that running huge deficits you would think the dollar would rob fall. You would think that printing enormous amounts of money, the dollar would fall. But no, but no. The mechanics are such that the sort of evil functioning of the system is such that the, the dollar rises. And and the, the, the higher the, they print, the more they print, it's like a greater tribute being extracted from the rest of the world. If, if mm. So the system works as, as a way of a sort of vacuuming value out of the rest of the world. So the rest of the world is starved so that so that the the US can be plumped up, if I put it that way. But if 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 Grant sorry to cut in, but if if like if, if Grant Williams were were here, he he'd he'd use the phrase he's used before, which is hasn't, i.e. the system hasn't failed, the dollar system hasn't yet been toppled. Hasn't is not the same as won't. So you know agree. I agree eventually. But the extreme will be so extreme uh that that uh, you know th this is this big argument about the milkshake and santiago capital and there's this guy called jeffrey schneider alhambra whatever he's called capital and mm. they all make this point about that the gold is 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 wonderful but it's been demonetized and therefore as as much as you try to transition to a new system it's very hard to move people away from an old system because liquidity and debt uh, trumps everything, in mm. and so the ability to contract the system and and squeeze people with debt is is their trump card, effectively. So they just up and down the ante, uh, and when things threaten to get out of control, then they go the other way and they loosen the pressure valve. Does that make sense? Mm. I, I, and I I don't pretend to be as 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 clever as Santiago Capital, as Jeff Schneider, as Grant Williams, etc. But I think I've understood it now in those terms. So for many years, I was in the camp of saying, the dollar's rubbish, this is crazy, the system is ridiculous, they're printing so much, it must fail, etc. I think it, it, it will eventually, but first, it's going to be like tsunami. You know how in a tsunami, 
Uh, the tide goes out before it comes back in. Out before it comes back in. And so the tide goes out and says, everyone says, and all the, actually, the, you can see this. All the Americans say, ha ha, see, the dollar's powerful, the dollar's strong. Ha ha, to all you people, you're stupid. Ha ha ha, you know, etc. But the tide is going out and so far out, you can't believe it. You see the beach where you never saw it before. You know, it's amazing. But then it builds and builds and builds out at sea, and then the tsunami will come in and everything will come due at once. That That is. I guess, my scenario. Well, it's an interesting point that the South American countries who've been caught out by the dollar, if they're being, and they will be, squeezed very hard by what's going on now and it will cause liquidity problems, that's exactly the sort of thing that makes you look elsewhere. And there are some that are looking at things like Bitcoin. So it it makes sense that this could be the beginning of the big turnaround in the US dollar. Absolutely. I mean, and totally, there are positive signs and, and, and uh, you know, there are people looking for alternatives simply because the, the bind they find themselves in is so, is so horrendous and it's getting worse all the time. The extraction gets worse all the time. So, so effectively, you have a global monetary system, which is a system of grand larceny, abated, aided and abetted by the mis- misery industry, the financial institutions, the IMF, and, 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 and these people effectively condemn developing countries to live in this bind that they, they cannot extract themselves because, because the, the dollar and dollar debt is used to effectively control them completely. And, and as soon as anyone shows any signs of, of, of defecting, then those people are removed in the most brutal manner without any regard for national sovereignty. So all the breast beating about national sovereignty in the Ukraine is, is absurd and hilarious. And, and that is the bind they find themselves in. And it's remarkable, actually, that, that there are so many people trying to get out where before they would have been immediately slapped down. Now, I don't know how long it'll last or they'll last, you know, God protect them. But, but you know, El Salvador is trying uh, and is being intensely pressured. Um, and then they had, a, they had a conference and they invited 44 central banks from different countries, all the global south, basically. And so 44 people from African countries, Palestine, various, various countries all came to sort of learn about how they could set up a, a different system, Bitcoin, etc. So that these things are encouraging, very encouraging. I just don't know if if the, the the empire will allow it in the sense that the empire's ability to inflict pain is enormous. Um, the fact that they haven't been able to restore order yet tells me that their power is waning in some areas. So again, trying to be positive. Just on your point earlier about um, Camilla Harris and um, Joe Biden, I, I firmly believe that the reason why YouTube stopped allowing people to dislike in public was because of their videos i don't know if possibly you, yeah i mean there was the, yeah, there was this, mean, there was one video of camilla harris talking to these um school children and it was so obviously set up um and it had <laughs> had an enormous amount of dislikes like it was crazy hmm. it was like no, I don't know, I don't. No, so ba- they basically they ratioed themselves. Yeah, and so they, yeah. they they looked at that and they went. They must have just gone. Holy shit! We've got it. We can't let this go out like this. We've got to stop this somehow. Um, and therefore the dislike button suddenly disappeared. If you noticed, you you can dislike something, but it's not public. 
No, of course. I mean, it, and why? When Trump was around, that was, opened our eyes. When yeah. Trump, Trump was I mean, around, really, that was perfect, wasn't it? They could have done it then, but obviously they didn't. No, absolutely. I, I mean, really, COVID has has I, I opened my eyes and many people's eyes in a way I never thought possible. Where basically every government is run by liars, and nothing they say should be believed. It, literally, and that, that is the general rule. So everything they say is a lie. Everything. everything but that, everything, that hasn't changed, though, to be fair. And it's just the, the old joke about a politician. How do you know he's lying? Because his, his lips are moving. His mouth's moving. He's now yeah, she as well. But, <laughs> but um, so, so, I know, but, but I mean, before, you know, I, I don't know, maybe not. But before, many things did seem more genuine and... and uh, uh, yeah, the well, less scripted, maybe. Do you remember? Do you remember yeah. Protect and Survive? I think Tim and I talked about it a while ago. Protect and Bloody Survive was this document that they sent out when I was a kid about what you would do in the event of a, a nuclear in the event of a nuclear attack. Make sure you draw your bloody curtains. It was like draw your curtains, get under the table, <laughs> make sure you got some spam in the <laughs> in the cupboard. You know, fucking hell. <laughs> you, there's absolutely no point in doing anything. And so, yeah. I mean, what what was that all about, I other mean, than fear? Yeah, of course, fear, fear, and control, and uh, and and the illusion of of having some steps to follow in in the, uh, in the events of something happening, so that so that people wouldn't panic because they wouldn't know what to do. And I suppose, in a way, the masks reflect that in COVID and and. And all the measures were like, oh, look, we're, we're, we're afraid, but we're doing something, you know, yeah. and that is a perennial staple. If you've watched The Crown, which is brilliant, that, that whole episode when they had that smog in, um, in London and it just wasn't lifting and people were, were dying because of it, because you literally couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And there's that moment where they're in the, um, in the hospital and somebody says well, you know why that the government are telling people to wear masks um and they know they don't work and it was just such a great line and that was obviously filmed before the the pandemic and um very very interesting line that sort of resonated a bit more yes 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 absolutely i mean i remember that episode and uh uh yes it is it is uh, it, it, uh absolutely i but guess it's just a, a a continuous thing of, of being in government. I remember meeting a civil servant in Department of Health socially and and, uh, and she, I, I basically said about the lockdown rather gently uh, to be honest and I said that it, it was not a very good thing and all this sort of thing and, uh, and she some, said something like well yes but, but what do you do sort of thing. So, so it's this idea that, that something must be done which is the source of so much trouble and uh and and i'm not sure if anyone sometimes i'm not sure if anyone is really in control they just it, it just sort of moves from one place to another a little bit so there is an element of randomness as well that 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 is then managed or taken advantage of or, or something like that yeah i suppose it's not what should be done it's what they think other people think they should do exactly yes yeah. yes of course yes yes what what other people think they should do and they clearly respond uh to some extent to 
to pressure. I mean, so for example, this idea that the border should be closed and, and all these sorts of things, uh, you know, that Australia became like North Korea for, for two years where they closed the borders and no one was allowed in or out. And I mean, this is clearly insane, obviously, because it's it's a virus. I mean, you know, it's a bit like King Canute ordering the sea to turn back and you say, oh, if, if no one comes through the border, then the horrible virus won't reach Australia. And and you had a certain element of people here who had exactly the same view. And it's it's sort of ignorant and anti rational and stupid but but that was the view and so and so the government duly said fine we'll close the borders for two years then you know and and uh, just there are no words to describe the way these things work which which then brings me back to Paravel and my idea that there are too many centralized means of control and and too much government and too much politics and 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 we live it's sort of like at the moment we're like it was, it's like the 15th century you know when we're, we're drowning in religion now we're drowning in politics and compliance it literally in the whole human spirit is being crushed by this vast apparatus everything is politics everything is the civil service everything is a direction and no one can accept that that life is just living and some things happen and you have to deal with it and you can't control everything. And, and this, this prevailing idea that everything must be controllable and everything must be foreseeable is, is also very powerful in, in society more widely. And, uh, but it's, it's not true. <laughs> that, that rings true purely for me at the level of, of investment, that the, there's such a, a, a seeming focus on risk but the, industry, the financial industry barely understands, in my view, barely understands what risk really is. So if you speak to a wealth manager or, an, or a fund manager or an, an, a financial advisor, 99 times out of 100, you'll, you'll get the response, well, it's risk is annualized standard deviation of return. It's volatility on a portfolio. But that's, that's obviously nonsense. Risk is, I think, most certainly value-orientated managers would suggest. Risk comes down to catastrophic loss of capital. So risk in 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 in, in that in the sort of cultural context is risk is basically risk of dying uh, in in a in a in an avoidable way, but 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 the, the the problems would seem to be at a cultural level that nobody is accountable for anything anymore. Therefore, all shall have prizes, and no, no, nobody will ever die of anything. That's right. Yes, of course, that's exactly the the idea. Um, there is no. But I think I think partly this this. This results from the secularization of society. Uh, and so effectively, because people don't believe in, in God and don't believe in, in an afterlife and, and don't, uh, they, they, it's, it's entirely, everything must be controllable. Everything must be explicable. Everything must be scientific, right? But, but this is untrue. Of course, there is science and there is reason and many things we can explain. And, and no one is suggesting that we shouldn't do that. But there is also an element of, of, of nature and, and, and the rhythms of things and faith and spirituality well there's no there's no room for wonder or joy in this the, in this dystopia that we've currently got ourselves landed with of course I, of course of I, course that's true absolutely yeah. I, mean, I have to say yeah. on the religion thing i think it is um you know i respect people's wishes to be religious and um and and i think spiritual for me is a better word than religious because 
if you analyze religion, it's pretty much what you're ignoring, not what you're believing. Um, but in this day and age, I'm quite surprised at how many people are sort of truly religious on, um, based on information that if you just try to sort of rationalize what's being said, you, you find that, that there's, there's, it, it, it's sort of unexplainable. You can't explain it. You can't explain. There's no rational um, explanation for why they should believe what they're believing. Um, and it, uh, if you go back to say the Greek gods and 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 or other religions, how they believe the earth and the world was created, and the stories that they told. You know, fair enough. If we were, if a long time ago we didn't understand a lot of things. In fact, it was probably about hundred years ago that we didn't even know that what existed beyond our own solar system and which i find utterly amazing um and sometimes i've got to recheck that just to believe it's true so if we're going back hundreds of years of course people are going to have explanations as to, to for things that they don't understand um but it surprises me that people then live their lives on a based on on writings from people they don't know from such a long time ago um and thinking that this is the truth and not questioning that and and i'm not saying no. that they shouldn't be spiritual but that's fine but when it starts to affect your life like when the when religion says things like you know i made a comment earlier about the the fluidity of gender but when religions are saying you know things like god doesn't believe in homosexuality and all that well that, that's just some other man who's written that down or woman who said i don't believe in that and um therefore it's mm. wrong you know this is wrong w marriage out of wedlock is wrong oh is it really well the church didn't care about you know wedlock for about a thousand years so they had no interest in marriage and then all of a sudden it's like okay Actually, maybe maybe we should get involved with this in some way. So, Wedding, weddings are a nice little learner. Weddings are a nice little learner, exactly. Which is exactly where it comes from. Um, so this this whole yeah, but I mean, this whole business. Of, I, I, I hear you. Mm. I hear you and understand that what you've expressed is the traditional, like Western secular view, um, which which is very much embedded. But but I mean, you know. It's 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 as much an article of faith to take a uh, vaccine or experimental gene therapy that uh, the government and the authorities say is is effective against the sort of virus and, uh, mm, and you I, know, I all I, the all the evidence says that it isn't and uh, but but they say no no you have to take it on faith because we say so because we're doctors so what you don't you, challenge the science the religion yeah the don't ch challenge the science the religion of science the religion of scientism the religion of command and control the religion of technocracy so so it, most most of these command and control things ask you to take things on faith, effectively, and uh, um, so I, I I don't think that's that's that different, uh, mm, really. I don't know uh, from what you're sort of saying, and 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 you know, nation of religion, uh, I think is is not really correct. I mean, religion seeks to um, to to give man. Well, people meaning, um, and and in that it is very successful because it makes many people feel that 
they are part of a much wider uh, belief system, structure, etc. And uh, so I think that it is something that humans have always sought from the beginning of time. And in its, in its absence, uh, they seek things that seem to us to be counterproductive, uh, seem to me, sorry, to be counterproductive. Um, and so we have an alternative religion now, which has the pillars of LGBT and the sort of uh, Mother Earth um, type idea, the idea that nature is superior and human beings are horrible and human beings should die so that nature can flourish. And that's that's the current religion. That's that's don't, don't be in any doubt that there is religion, right? They don't call it that, but that is the current religion. So all the there are, there are loads of ways of showing that you're an adherent to the new religion, the religion of, of uh, climate change, net zero, of LGBT, of technocracy. And that's what bending the knee is. That's, that's saying, I, I belong to this religion and I accept it. This is the new state religion and I'm with it. it right? de- mm, I, I think, think it depends how I you... Think what we're yeah. saying on a more societal basis is that, that uh, we don't, A, we don't agree to abandon the Judeo-Christian tradition which you know has several pillars but but the main pillar whatever the the actions of individuals are the main pillar is is love and and fellow man and and these these sort of ideas right and and that that you know man and woman uh, come together and have a family and these sorts of things so family love respect for each other these these things are basically christian type ideas and now the idea is that we should throw that away and replace it with a new state religion which is what is being done surreptitiously so so i i don't think that the the contention that religion can be sort of eviscerated has worked. That's what we've been trying to do for, for 40 years, and it hasn't been very successful because it has resulted in the sort of society that we have, effectively, where the state is the religion. And that's why they were able to do the COVID-19 thing so successfully, because everyone bowed their heads and said, oh, yes, we worship at the altar of the state, and moreover, we depend on them financially, and, and so therefore we have to, we have to kneel uh, th- that would be my answer. Tim, could I could I just come yeah, back on because sure. there's yeah I, I think there's a couple of things there. The first of all, it depends on your definition of religion. I think also the the purpose to to criticize religion um, seems like a very blanket thing to say, but it's it's actually a very nuanced thing um, because there are so many benefits for religion in terms of uh, people people getting comfort and as you say there is this this community and the ability to create and um you know feel part of a group but actually to do good in in groups but i think the problem is that that there are also some downsides that come with that and they're very obvious downsides is it better to give somebody hope about life after death just because that's what we want to hear or is it better just to look at the facts and you know imagine that there is no heaven because you know where is it and it used to be up and down because that's we didn't understand the geography of the world and the universe and and now we don't know where it could be um so all these stories are just created in order to make people feel better which is nice um, yeah, but I mean, those are your assertions, and it's impossible. I don't think they're my assertions. Have, I think they're they facts. are your assertions. They are your assertions. Well, well where is that? You know 
How do you know there isn't life after death? Well, you I don't. don't really, I don't. But can't that, say for sure. But that doesn't. So therefore, that, it's an assertion, right? Well, it's an assertion <laughs> that. Um, but I'm not going around telling people that there is life after death. I'm saying I don't know, and I think that's an honest no, answer. But, Whereas I think religion is dishonest because it says that there is life after death. That's the difference. Mm. Well, we believe there's life after death, and 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 you know, I I don't think you can assert it, and and then I didn't I didn't assert it. All I've said is I don't know, mm. and I think the honest yeah. answer is I don't know, and if it, and I think that's that's a fair enough thing to say to somebody if you are being honest. If if somebody on this planet says that they know there is life after death, they are lying because they don't know. No, I think you know. They they are telling the truth. No, they're they not. How can they be telling the truth? No, they're telling their 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 truth. But the but that's the, not that's not the truth. I could say but, I but, could but, tell. But, I, well, look, I could say that after you die, you're going to live in this forest for three years, and then you're going to come back as a monkey. You know, it's like well, that's my truth. Is it true or am I lying? No. What what per, is per, it? Per, perversely, this is this is this coincides with the point I was just going to make, which is but they're both tying with, with Harold Pinter. And I think I've, I've used this quote before. Um, so I mentioned Zeitgeist earlier. And one of the things I thought was really interesting about Zeitgeist was it, it starts off with a fairly lengthy discursive, discursive analysis of matters biblical. And one of the things it, it points out is that a lot, perhaps all, but certainly much of the Bible is entirely metaphorical. So I think the, 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 the issue with a lot of religious types is that they take literally something that was never meant to be taken yeah. literally yeah and it was probably expressed as, in, in such a way in order to get to get ideas across to a fairly let's say fairly uneducated people at the time and that's not meant as disparaging it's a simple, simple statement of fact so yeah i remember there's a thing i've been trying to find for years because i came across it at college but i haven't been able to find it since but it's a quote from pinter a harold pinter the playwright and he, he talks about that there being no such thing as objective truth to the extent that he says, imagine a car accident and you have two people that are both walking right next to each other and they're asked to explain what happened. They, they are not going to say exactly the same thing. They, their accounts are going to be subtly different. And that's two people that, that, that were on the scene of something that, that happened objectively in reality. The, the, the other point, when this is what I'm going to quote, which I think, I think, I think it's a wonderful, well, it, it, it encapsulates so much about narrative, about, truth and about art and metaphor and i'm sure i've used this recently in one of the recent pods we've done it's 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 um pinter's response to a letter about his play the birthday party i don't know if you guys have seen it but the birthday party is one of his more famous plays and the the letter said dear sir i harold pinter i would be obliged if you would kindly explain the meaning to me of your play the birthday party these are the points that i do not understand one who are the two men two where did stanley come from three were they all supposed to be normal you will appreciate that without the answers to my questions, I cannot fully understand your play. To which Harold Pinter responded, Dear Madam, I'd be obliged if you would kindly explain the meaning to me of your letter. These are the points I do not understand. One, who are you? Two, where did you come from? Three, are you supposed to be normal? You will appreciate that without the answers to my questions, I cannot fully understand your letter. Which is the perfect riposte to someone asking for the meaning of uh, interpretation of a, of a, of a piece, of, piece of art. And this is this is this is why some of us love you know love literature and love art as much as we do because it it addresses all of these issues. What is truth? What is objective reality? Is there such a thing? And the the the, the older I get, the more I, I I seem to have come to the conclusion there is no such thing. Everyone has their own take on things, but there there, there may not be any precise thing. But 
that the world and the universe is so much more extraordinary than we're ever likely to realize. Yeah, yeah, no, indeed, indeed, absolutely. But, okay, so for example, if you take the, the Aborigines who believe if you take the, a photograph of them... It you, captures you know, their soul. Yeah. Now, that, that sort of thing to you, would that sound... It sounds a little bit twee, doesn't it? Yeah. So, so that that's. But I, but I would respect their right to have such a. Oh, listen! Thought. I respect everybody's you right. Bastard, Paul. I, I respect everybody's right to, to do whatever they whatever they feel, as long as it doesn't harm other people. And that's exactly. What, and live, that, live and let live. Live, live and let live. live. But that's where the problem comes in when mm. when you've got, say, in the Catholic Church, where you know a girl becomes pregnant and takes her own life because she thinks she's going to go to hell and but bring I think, shame I on think that's exactly that's exactly the issue that, that that's where the problem arises it's not in religion per se but it's it's maybe the distinction between spiritualism and religion is that organized religion takes it upon itself to impose on people whereas someone who is let's say spiritually inclined it, it you know is not interested in imposing their will on anybody else that that's why i think the buddhists have got it possibly right because they they're looking for um, enlightenment within themselves as opposed to making other people fit a set of rules that they feel you have to follow before you can go to whatever heaven might be. Getting into the deep theological and philosophical territory now. Yeah, well, which is no bad thing. Which is no bad thing. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting. Um, I think it's, I think everybody is entitled to believe that what they want to believe. But I do feel that um, that there is a, an element of honesty that is not talked about. And I think that's, that's the answer to things. I mean, you know, having grown up uh, as a Roman Catholic and uh, in a Roman Catholic family and... I had before I got married. I, you know, I only I got married in a church because that's what my mother wanted. I didn't believe in it at all, but I did it for the family. And um, you know, I was I was doing my. Uh, I had to be confirmed in the in Catholic re religion. You got to be confirmed um, before you can get married in a church. So there's three things you need to do. You have to have your first communion. You got to be baptized, and the the third thing is um, you, you've got to be you've got to do this sort of course, if you like, catechism. And I hadn't done the third thing, so I did that quite late in life. And um, it, it was quite amazing just talking to these people and how they, in the church, very nice people, but extremely rude about other people in their religions, have absolutely no idea how to behave. If they, if they go to church every week, then I was thinking, well, you know, why are you so angry at other people that just don't believe what you believe isn't that the whole point of religion in the first place and then the stories that they make it's like well first of all there was nothing and then god said these people in the promised land they're special so okay what about everybody else well no 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 forget about them it's just like these people are special and the other people are just other people right okay that doesn't make much sense does it but anyway let's carry on and then God decided that th he wanted this to happen. So, you know, people were bad. So he sent a plague. Oh, okay. Did he? Why would he do that then to his people? That doesn't sound like, this doesn't sound very nice at all, does it? And then it just goes on. And, um, you know, Cain and Abel asking, God asking, you know, Cain to, was it to kill one of his brothers or something or killed one of them because he wasn't good? I mean, like Christ, that's, that. Wh where's that come from? That's complete nonsense.
<laughs> has the line gone <laughs> on, to... on, 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 on to came then none metaphorical yeah 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 no I, I get it but it sounds like an angry man doesn't it doesn't and, sound you like know, a uh, yeah but yeah, i mean you know effectively you know if if there's a beginning to something then there's the big bang right so you could say that that the big bang can be described metaphorically in the bible and so on and so on and so forth but but i mean this 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 will this this sort of argument will run and run and uh, i i think that uh, you know something that is uh, to to agree with you to a certain extent is to say that um it's evil to make millions of people take a vaccine that has no safety data which has resulted many of them being injured um simply for various political and expedient reasons and so that you could loot the public purse for billions of dollars so that that's also evil right so so and that that was based on take our argument to trust and and uh, anyone who's being honest or anyone who raises an objection should be shut up and should shut up and so you know malone was shut up and mccullough and all these people and, and people had had sort of uh, rocks thrown at them by the modern adherents of the state religion um, so yeah, absolutely, I agree with you on that sense. Yeah, I think all sides need to be heard. That that was that was the problem. That is the big problem. And I suppose the social media companies, the tech companies, are very much left leaning. So uh, w- whether that's um, whether that's influenced them or not, I don't I don't know. But it's like you cannot shut down arguments. It's like pe- it's it will lead to bigger problems. And I'm hoping that 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 this episode will lead to a fairer and, you know, of course you've got, for example, Getter that's been created because of Twitter. Um, This, this is the answer because not everybody agrees with what's happened and we need discourse. And um, hopefully the market has a way of, of dealing with that. I mean, I don't know what you feel about the the prospects of um, Elon Musk taking over Twitter. Will it, will it become a fairer place? Do you believe, or do you think, think not do you think it'd just be the same i i don't think that anyone who has succeeded to the extent that musk has can do so without being approved as it were and uh i don't think the idea that 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 there are people who are mavericks and that they change the thing and all this sort of thing probably in his own way he has he has the good intentions and he certainly talks a good story um in his tweets and i'm you know like uh, we're all subject to this uh, illusion and and uh, we, we all fall for this hero stuff uh you know that that side of me that the side of me that is still naive is rooting for him because i think it would be great if the weather could change and uh, um but but i i don't think that that substantive change will come i think um i almost think the system is so clever that they perceive that it's unbalanced and so therefore they they sort of say oh elon you can play the part of you can be controlled opposition guy. you can be controlled opposition so i think i think that, that there is a lot of this stuff and so um so people for example who say oh trump was great trump's fantastic etc he is fine in a way. Uh, I mean, in the sense that I think that it was a welcome change from having Clinton in power. But 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 I don't think that he represents a, a firm break from the centralized command and control technocratic structure. He's 
he's one of them, just a different one. He's like a sort of pantomime villain. He comes on stage and everyone goes, boo, you know, all the New York Times, all these sort of people. So, so I think that's his role. That was his role. Uh, having said that, I don't think they expected him to win. So that was upsetting to them. I don't think he so expected to, to win. Of, well, maybe, absolutely. And so then they had to pedal desperately to try and get things back under control, which they did by imposing Biden. Um, and they they pulled out every stop and imposed every trick in the book so they could get back control of of the deep state, although they never really fully lost it. So I guess that's a long answer to saying that uh, things will improve, certain things will be allowed, certain things will still not be allowed. And so in a way, they're sort of saying, oh, well, things are, we're losing control. Let's move the Overton window back a bit. So we'll have a hero, you know, in a new hero in the story. Oh, here's Musk. Good. You can play that role. And then they move the, the Overton window back, back towards the center, if we put it this in this left-right sort of thing, which in itself is, is not correct, I think. So I think that, that's my impression of the, the, of the Twitter idea. Um, and and it, I, I mean, it's very clear that I think you can be a sort of garden variety millionaire and keep your mouth shut and be anonymous or relatively anonymous and be fine. As soon as you get a certain level of wealth or whatever, Basically, you get a visit and you get tap on the shoulder and they say, hey, mate, you've got like you made this money on in our system and stuff. So now you have to pay. Right now you have to do social service and social service means contributing to the Clinton Foundation or a global something initiative or some some idiotic thing, all these stupid idiot things that they have that, that they go around and it's supposed to be charity or whatever it is, but actually it's just looting. It's just putting money into the pockets of, of people. And it's like a protection racket. So you pay for protection because you've reached, you've become noticeable. You've put your head above the parapet. So I think that that's, that's the process that more or less works. And that's, that's the way it works um, in, in those, in those levels. So that's in America. Right, but obviously we don't have that in the UK. I think we do to some extent have that here. I mean, it's more... All the real money's in the US, though. Yeah, all the real money's in the US. But but I mean, it's more... Uh, I don't know. I mean, the UK in some... I mean, the US is actually still... The, the, you're still able to say things. You're still able to have a discussion about things in, in the US. Whereas in the UK... It's sort of a one-party state, really. I mean, there's a green department and a blue department and a red department, and and you can sort of choose between those departments. But they're all the same party, um, and 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 actually, opposition is really very tightly controlled. And there are many many things that you can't say in the UK that you still can in the US. Uh, so it's 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 sort of for all its faults it's the last uncontrolled place if i put it that way um and and the uk by contrast is more of a one party state uh, i think on the topic of money um since since that, that word has has hoved into the conversation um what would you be doing at a, at a general level with with your own or what would you recommend people be doing with theirs that the market to become so i think this is the most volatile and challenging environment i've ever seen um how, how how would you be trying to steer through these choppy waters? I mean, I think you know the thing the thing that kills everyone, all of us, all the time is is leverage, effectively. And uh, 
So you want to chop leverage down to zero or whatever, um, because uh, the system works in this sort of way of contracting and, and then expanding. So they contract, they kill everyone who has leverage. Uh, it's sort of what's called in crypto a rug pull. So you, you basically pull the rug on people. So people are saying, yeah, yeah, Google, uh, new age, web, industrial revolution, force, something, something, something whatever, web something and all this stuff. And so people are all in that and they're leveraged up the gills. And then and then the narrative suddenly switches and then they say, oh, actually, uh, you know, we're going to, so we need to regain control of the dollar. So we're going to raise rates, promise. Of course, you know, they've raised 50 basis points and inflation is whatever, 10, 12. But you... The old, the old calculation is 17% in the US, right? And uh, in the new calculation, it's whatever, seven and a half or something, because obviously they're lying about inflation as well. So, so they've raised races 50, 50 basis points, and it's complete carnage, right? Which tells you how vastly over-leveraged the system is. If they raise rates to like whatever Volcker did or something, I mean, the system will be totally destroyed in a complete ice age. So obviously they're bluffing. But the problem is that, you don't know how much they're bluffing. You don't know what other people are going to do. You don't know to what extent they're bluffing. You don't know if they if they can do this or do that, or or they don't. You don't know what political opposition they'll face. You don't know if people will get so angry by high gas prices that, that they'll they'll be a riot, and and so a riot will make them uh, will focus the minds, even though they'd like to print again. Uh, so so basically, I'd suggest you know staying clear of leverage. Obviously, the dollar is king for now bizarrely and ridiculously so you want to have dollar cash uh you can see peripheral currencies just getting crushed um and so we've already seen that with sterling and the yen and, and these sorts of things and and you know further out as the tsunami comes back then effectively you could see a sudden 180 from this pretend deflation to suddenly like hyperinflation really taking hold and and then you need to switch sources to hard assets at that point so 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 uh it's like dancing almost you know uh when they come towards you you move away and as they move back you move back in and uh yes yeah, so so at the moment cash dollar cash is king but suddenly it'll be trash again uh, and they'll do it at the flip of a switch um and so you have to be prepared for that you have to watch the signals you have to watch watch what they say, you have to just see what they do. But it's incredibly difficult because those of us who thought for years, like we see the shore on the other side of the bay, you know, like, I don't know if you see that you see the destination on the other side of the bay, mm. but the, the path to it um, is sort of fraught with, with uh, dangers effectively and, and with them pulling and pushing the rug to take away your confidence in the final outcome. Isn't part of the problem, and this steps back to, to the politics element, um, that you have government that success, successfully hands over control to another party all the time. So nobody's really taking um, responsibility and has no long-term planning um, or very little long-term planning, because there's there's no uh, there's no upside in in trying to create anything that's going to take ten years, um, because or twenty years, 
because if you do that, uh, it, it may not be popular. There's nothing you can do with that. So it's everything's just short term public opinion. What what will get you elected? That same mentality has got into the financial markets where CEOs are just looking at this next quarter and stock options and just get it, get the market up just for this quarter, just so we can hit this target. And everything's so very, very short term that it creates this, this sort of rolling problem where nothing gets sorted out. We've had the crisis of 2008 where we had a similar situation where interest rates were too high for the economy and, and you saw the, um, prices of of energy what the oil price was at 147 and the bank of england were basically ignoring it um thinking that they could raise interest rates and it then that realization came that that their model started to show that there was a problem and then they started to move obviously late which is what exactly what i think will happen now um it isn't would you say that that's a that's part of a problem that 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 there's just no long-term vision and it's the way the system's set up I mean, yes, yes, to some extent. I mean, in the, the problem with the system is that, that it's a sort of uh, chaotic, effectively, system where now with rates at zero, they've abolished time preference. So effectively, uh, you know, you, you, you don't know what the value of money is, and there's the value of money uh, is worth. So, so basically in, in a system where you abolish time preference, you don't save because why would you at 0% interest rates, you should consume everything now. So I think what you're sort of describing is the process that of course is going on, um, is, is the consumption of, of the seed corn. So, so when you cut rates to zero, you, you effectively, uh, you, you take away all those decisions. There's no decisions about future capital allocation. It's impossible to make any of those decisions because rates are zero. Uh, and so at rates, when rates are at zero, debt can be infinite, which is sort of Japan, if you, if you like. And so, and so because at zero rates, you can service infinite debt. And, and then rates go to 1% and instantly it's a problem, which is sort of where Japan is, for example. And, and uh, because, because it means that on infinite debt, you, you, you know, the numbers change dramatically. So, so, yes, I mean, the system is completely insane. Um, it's, it's abandoned time preference and it is all about trying to save the system at any cost because it benefits, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a small group of people. Um, and the way to save the system at any cost is because the system is, has, has been about raising debt levels all over because debt money is debt always and everywhere because that's the case. Um, then, then the debt system must be saved at any cost. And, and if that means having zero rates for, for 15 years, so be it. Anything to avoid the reckoning. And so what would have been better and more cathartic is to allow the 2008 crisis to, to, to take its natural course, to accept, as we said earlier, that, that some things are not controllable, to just, you know, let it go, let it crash, let things that are bankrupt go bankrupt. But instead, they did the exact opposite. And so effectively, they distorted incentives to such an extent that, that, that we have ended up living in this Alice in Wonderland world where, where as you say, there is no point in investing in any capital goods in thinking about the future at all. The only point is to keep the system going by printing more debt every day in order to put out all the fires in the system everywhere. 
we're, we're getting some some uh, noise from your mic, by the way. Um, okay, so so um, let's say we put you in charge of of um, politics and the financial system. What do you do? <laughs> who do you um, fire? <laughs> who do you fire? Well, I mean, what I, I what mean, you do is a, is a question I'd love to know. Yeah, I, I think what you do is you you have to change the monetary system because money printing is the root of all evil, in my view. And yeah. uh, and so therefore, what you what you would do is try and stabilize the system by um, raising rates to the point where inflation stops, and then you seek to anchor the system uh, on a hard currency basis again effectively and so you sort of try and return to hard money and then and then effectively the incentives would change dramatically from from the existing system where where debt is good and going into debt is good you change the system so it's a system where saving is good and this this is described very well in two books by safety amus uh, the bitcoin standard and the fiat standard and and so effectively he talks about bitcoin and how the 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 wish whether it's realized or not and and there are flaws and i mean the 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 ideal the wish is that bitcoin represents a sort of uh, alternative monetary system so where the current system is inflationary and based on debt bitcoin is basically deflationary and based on on a limited amount of of currency and 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 in the fiat standard he talks about how the existing system works how the systems are distorted but but um sorry i've gone off on a tangent but the, but the the point i would say is that you have to stabilize the system hmm. and that means um uh effectively uh squeezing the corruption from the system and and the people who are highest leveraged highest indebted in the system uh effectively have to take the losses and then you re-establish a sort of a new monetary standard after that. But haven't isn't isn't that just I mean Tim isn't that just the Austrian school of economics described in another way and you know we've got you to thank for bringing our attention to that in the first place. Uh, haven't they just aren't they just going to be right and have been right all along? I think so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, mic, mic drop, <laughs> my, <laughs> mic drop. Yeah, it's yeah. um. The the thing is, is that the system will only sort of reset itself once it's completely gone out of control. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, well, I, I I don't think the system I don't think the system re, the, the system gets reset, but it gets reset in a process that even the system itself isn't in control of anymore. Yes, that's true. But essentially, what what you can take is um. Uh, the Weimar Republic is a good, it's like a microcosm of the current system. And the current system has been inflationary for very long. And they have this, this way of controlling it effectively and managing it to their benefit. And the problem is that they're losing control effectively of it. And so therefore, you can expect a final massive hyperinflationary episode. So they won't do what I said, because politically, it's, it's mm. too thing. And as long as you have mass democracy, you can't really have you can't really do that so they will only stabilize the system after the previous system has died and by by dying i mean you know the book by adam ferguson when money dies describing the Weimar republic so when money dies the system will be reset when it reaches a massive an absolute extreme but we're a long way from that because effectively we're going to have 
I believe, eventually a massive hyperinflationary episode, like like unbelievable hyperinflationary episode, because no one will ever do what I suggest, mm. because that's too too sudden and too painful. It's they'll just allow it to die, like it kills itself, if that makes sense. And then once it's gone to such a ludicrous extreme, they reset the system by by anchoring it to something. Well, if you've this, Sorry, you've you, you've already alluded to the sort of 2008 experience. So I think it's, it's absolutely right. So the the, the 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 suggestion I would make is that when Lehman was on the precipice, they could have gone two ways. One would have been to let the system reset, to let Wall Street basically to let most of Wall Street fail, and the other fork in the road, which is the fork that they actually chose, was bail out everybody, sacrifice Lehman, but bail out everybody else. And of course, bailing out everybody else merely perpetuates the problem, so that the problem then becomes bigger the next time there's a crisis moment, which I'd say arguably we're at now. The analogy I'd make, and uh, not to be too crude, would be or too too brutal, would be it's a it's a, a notorious statement about one of the villages that was sacrificed in um, Viet, during the Vietnam War, which is it became necessary to destroy the village in order to save it. That the system's going to go. Um, the only question is what 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 resolves afterwards, and who who is in control of that process. But the and this is not necessarily as as as, as Armageddon ish as it sounds. To the extent that, as I keep reminding people through stuff that my colleague Killian has has, has done in terms of research, monetary systems do change. Monetary systems are never fixed in stone. They always change because politicians always overextend themselves and always end up spending too much of other people's money. So the average shelf life of a monetary system is apparently something of the order of 30 years. This post Bretton Woods arrangements now lasted for 50, but it's clearly already on its last legs. So whatever is to come, the system's going to change whether whether the powers that be like it or not. Um, and I like to think that it, 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 in the same way that Russia has effectively rediscovered sound money backing namely sort of a gold backed currency that, that 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 could do for the whole 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 market as well time will tell but i just rather it be a real asset based monetary system as opposed to a cbdc system which is a disaster for everybody mm, yes yes well again that is that is the fork in the road and so as you say we have it's not really everyone talks about left and right but it's not really left and right it's about command and control technocracy versus adaptive emergent yeah systems effectively yeah and ultimately i think it becomes a libertarian argument it's do, do you believe do you believe in the big state or believe in the power of the individual and can you because you can't have both yeah yeah that's right and uh, I, I mean i i think that that is the fork in the road it just de depends on whether you know, like riding a, a a wild horse, whether they can stay on the horse or not. Um, and I, I think for humanity's sake, we have to pray that they get thrown off. Mm. There are some hopeful signs. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I do hope that happens. But uh, but yes, it's it's uh, uh, that that is that is the question. I mean, they will resist the reimposition of any hard money so fiercely because the source of all their power is 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 money printing and it's what enables them uh to to take the whole existing political system to its insanity because but they, 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 they the secret is that there is a magic money tree yeah but it's just that the magic money tree isn't for you yeah or, or any other one the magic money tree is for a very small 
group of people, they have a magic money tree. So that's the dirty little secret. And as long as they have it, they have absolute power. And so, so they are, they are playing for all the marbles. So don't underestimate their desperate, uh, extreme desperation. That- oh, no, they're going to behave like they're, they're going to behave like rats in a sack. But the, the reason I'm slightly more upbeat is is maybe misplaced optimism. But it's the belief that ultimately the numbers in terms of people are on our side, not theirs. The system has already been stress tested to destruction and is now in the process of being destroyed. And every day, more and more people are waking up to what's going on in this world. So over time, this is like a for me, this is an inevitability that people will wake up to what's going on and say, oh, "Fuck this! I've had enough of this." And then what's happening in Sri Lanka now is going to be a worldwide phenomenon. And I'm not sure. I, I would love to know what security pro- procedures are going to be in place at Davos this Sunday, because uh, for my money, I mean, if I were given all the money in the world, I wouldn't want to be a security guard there. I think if any place in the world is likely to get taken out by a tactical nuclear device, that's, 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 the, that's the first one. Metaphorically, of course. Yes, purely metaphorically, not, not, not in the real world. Of course. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Just a game, <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, I mean, uh, you know, it is just, uh, it is just incredible, really. The, the, I, I, I'm, I'm pleased that you talk in such a hopeful way. Um, I'm, I'm fearful that humanity is not so uh, awakened as you think, and and is very, very subdued and. The, the, I, I just the last two years have been terrible in terms of the, how obedient and well trained people are, and how how they can be managed through signals and and mm. just the signalling of human tribes and of society is incredibly powerful, and so I, I'm worried that that. It, the only thing that will create a move towards defection, apart from a few critical thinkers, um, is 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 absolutely extreme circumstances like well, like famine, I guess. Yeah. Um, which which I wouldn't wish on anyone. So therefore, you find this this difficult position of wanting the world to go badly because you know it's the only way to overthrow the power structure, mm. whilst whilst not wanting all these people to suffer. Sure. So. No, the, the, the thing is, we, these, aren't, the, these aren't easy things to reconcile, but then the, the whole situation isn't easy. There's a, there's a line I, I start, I've started to use on a more regular basis now, which is from Paradise Lost, which is, awake, arise, or be forever fallen. The trouble is that line is actually one that comes from Satan himself, so I'm not sure whether <laughs> I should use I'm not sure I'd be using it or not. <laughs> <laughs> yes oh dear oh well <laughs> any port in a storm i say any port in a storm yes well possibly 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 indeed on, on some yeah. of the answers to what you've said potentially cryptocurrencies i mean yes they are and uh i i mean uh, i've been a supporter of crypto and i think the the that's why I mentioned the Bitcoin standard and, and the fiat standard. And sure. um, the thesis is 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 one of the idea behind it is one of hope. The idea behind it is one of freedom. The idea behind it is one of revolution. The idea behind it is that is to identify that the the malaise in our society going back many years has to do with the monetary system and the magic money tree and the ability of governments and powerful organizations to access money 
freely and without any constraint to literally print it out of thin air and give it to themselves and then extract labor and rent and, mm. and interest from people without doing anything for it. Literally, they have, they have uh, there's a, a, I don't know, there's a story of someone who has a purse and literally he can pull money out of a purse and he can buy anything and do anything. And that is literally them. And so to identify this as the, the sort of central evil of our time, money printing is the root of all evil. Uh, and that that's what Bitcoin originally does, was originally intended to do and originally set out to be. The, the problem is that now, after 14 years, uh, crypto has sort of been corrupted by, by many other forces, by finance itself, by institutions, by, by human fallibility, if I put it that way. So a lot of crypto, unfortunately, regrettably, is sort of scams. A lot of crypto is, is sort of um, taking advantage of retail investors. A lot of a lot of crypto is sadly, sadly that, and mm. and uh, it has become that. And but uh, a plea for it is that that wasn't the original intent. The original intent was to to refound the world on a different monetary system, to give a different monetary basis. And I think the jury is still out as to whether that will be successful, um, simply because the original aims, in many cases, have been so widely corrupted, um, and because traditional finance has come in and they thought, oh, this is a good way to fleece a load of retail people. So we'll just put out this product and that product and the other product. And this stuff is, 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 is sort of rat poison. Um, and and but it, so I, I think that's the problem. Well, that, that, that's true of any, anything, though, isn't it? I mean, it's true of money, which gets uh, forged, counterfeited. It's, it's true of the beginning of the internet. It's, it's true of... You know, if you want to buy certain products, a Rolex watch, the people that, that counterfeit them, that will always be a problem yeah. in any area. Um, so, no, absolutely. But I was the, trying to be as balanced as possible because sure. because I could go into a sort of giant peon about how wonderful it is. And, no, well, and if that's to some extent, think. Paravel, no, I mean, it is good in a sense. And I think that it's fortunate that Bitcoin exists because otherwise things would be much worse. Um, because the, the important thing is that, that uh, we, it's, it's an exit, right? Because it's still today decentralized, permissionless, and censorship resistant. And as much as they've tried, as much as they can to corrupt it, uh, to offer alternatives, to create nuisance, oh, this one's much better. We've created this one. Look, look, this one's better. It's controlled. It's regulated. It's much better, etc. And still today, we have, thank God, a decentralized censorship resistant uh, currency that we can use between human beings without requiring external authorization, the filling in of forms without people saying, oh, I, we don't like you, you're a dissenter, we're going to cut off your wallet. And so that, I think, is a great hope and is a, is a, is a very good thing that that exists, because if it weren't, I would be much more pessimistic about the future of humanity. So, so I am extremely positive about that. And in, in the sort of parallel, parallel, parallel framework idea that, that you know we need a parallel monetary system so that we can interact with ourselves other human beings to exchange goods and services to have 
effectively a monetary mechanism, money for the internet, if you like, that allows us to exchange goods and services in this decentralized, censorship-resistant, permissionless way, because because it's clear that the state is determined to destroy the neutrality of money and to make it political. And once you make money political, it becomes much less useful for exchange for human beings and, and these sorts of things. So, so uh, sort of going that that's my answer but 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 crypto as crypto is understood as it's advertised on buses and stuff unfortunately is sort of scam to deprive retail investors of money so so there are two those two elements to it which coins would you say are there to to disrupt the purity of say bitcoin you said that, that people are saying this technology is better and this technology is better were there any specific coins, or were we just talk, just talking generally? Bitcoin and Ethereum are really the only cryptocurrencies that have established themselves as valid uh, networks that 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 stick to the original vision of decentralization, permissionlessness, censorship resistance. All the others are basically startups. They're basically startups where a group of guys or girls have got together and said, you know what, um, let's do it better. We can do this better. So they, they say, but what they can never seem to do, none of them have been able to do, is to create uh, is to create the decentralization that that is inherent in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, so, so I would I would put I would create two categories. One is Bitcoin and Ethereum, and the other is all the others. And all the others are basically venture capital. So you are in the network. You are sort of providing venture capital. You are participating in a venture capital experiment. And there's nothing wrong with that per se, but it's not it's not a, a currency. Or the internet. It's not. A, it's not a means of exchange. A, a, a value. A, a, it doesn't have moneyness, if that makes sense. I think it's possible to argue that Bitcoin and Ethereum have have this feature, this this this, this thing called moneyness, where people can literally say, "I have Bitcoin. I have Ethereum. I have money." Right? Money is recognised universally all over the world it's exchangeable it's valuable and no one is going to say that transaction won't happen because we don't like you so they are neutral neutral money whereas if you take almost any other chain pretty much i think although they may pretend an if and but and faff and say that this and that and the other mostly those chains either don't have enough um breadth if i put it that way they don't have enough uh, widespread usage. They don't have a Lindy effect. They don't have a shelling point. Um, or they are controlled by one person or two people. Yeah. <laughs> so those two yeah. people can steal the money or ban transactions or the government can come to them and say, hello, mate, uh, excuse me, this, this, uh, give me that and close that and give me that back. And so then they're not, they're not useful anymore for the purpose that we're talking about. You, and I know the Lindy effect, and for people that just don't know that, that was a um, a restaurant or cafe in, um, I, I believe it was in America, and they noticed that if a play or show was on for a certain amount of time, then it would continue for an extended amount of time. So in other words, if it lasted a year, it would last two. And if it lasted two, it would last five, et cetera. Um, but if, right, yeah. uh, and so that's called the Lindy effect, which basically says the longer something lasts the longer it will last 
Um, and you see that with books, you know, the books that are over a hundred years old will continue for probably another 200 and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so the other, the other, so you mentioned the Shelley effect. I've not heard of that. What's that? Well, it's, it's, um, uh, basically cooperating without communicating. So, uh, people tend to, to choose the, something by default in the absence of other, other uh, things on the expectation that that you know everyone else will do the same if that makes sense so it's like game theory mm. uh, so everyone converges on a focal point um, which which has prominence compared with the environment so so the more conspicuous the focal point is the more people say well i'll go into bitcoin because everyone else is in that and and i know that everyone will be in it and everyone will understand it and everyone will be there and be with me and accept that Whereas if they say I'll go into, I don't know, Algorand or something, no, like everyone's like, well, what's that? I don't know. Huh? Huh? You know, that's that's the sort of shelling point. I don't know if I've explained it. Yeah, yeah, I know well what you're saying, it. but I, I think part part of it is the first mover advantage because you've got because Bitcoin was the first. It has the most people talking about it because it's been yeah. around longest. We we had Andrew Howard on from the. Um, uh, who was talking about Bitcoin, and he basically said that Ethereum doesn't fit the bill for a decentralized platform because it's the barrier to setting up a node um, is so expensive that you can no longer consider it to be completely decentralized. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 all with that, and every instinct and fiber in my body is is with Bitcoin maximalism. Oh, really? Okay, that's, that's really interesting. But, okay, but. But um, I cannot ignore the evidence of my eyes. And my eyes tell me that in terms of user experience, user interface, uh, preference, uh, that Ethereum has many, many, many good things. And, and uh, I mean, in theory, we maximalists are right. Uh, and I'm with them, and I understand why they say it. And actually, Vitalik, the founder of Ethereum, did a, a very good uh, blog post and a podcast on um, Bitcoin maximalism. In defense of Bitcoin maximalism, he wrote. And he said, uh, and he wrote out all the reasons why maximalism is uh, necessary and right. And he gave an excellent defense of it. Um, and then he proceeded to try and and talk talk himself out of it and not entirely successfully um and 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 recommend ethereum but but uh you know the the thing about maximalism is that uh if if you are going to aim for moneyness then you have to uh, obviously argue that that everything else is rubbish i mean you have to argue that um if if you're going to sort of say that uh, that 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 something else that you, you can't admit that something else might work if, if you're going to argue for, for, for Bitcoin. So, you, and also you have to prevent what's called entryism, um, whereby people try to um, dilute the purity of your vision, which is very important, founded on central principles by coming in and saying, oh, wouldn't it be better if we change Bitcoin to, to change the, the, the limit of 21 million? 
you know. And there are loads of people who've tried this entryism, and they've said it would be nicer, it would be more ESG, it would be friendlier, unicorns, rainbows. Da, da, da. You're also harsh. You're not very nice people, etc. And so, Vitalik argued, and, and I would argue that maximalism therefore serves a purpose because. Uh, by reinforcing the purity of it, we prevent attacks that undermine it to the extent that it's no longer useful, right? But having said all of that, Ethereum has made tremendous technological innovations, and there are some points about decentralization and the points Maxis always make. But, but you know, in terms of everyday uh, usability and the things that have happened and the experiments that take place and decentralized finance uh it, it just ethereum has done a very good job on that and i would go even further and say bitcoin is ying and ethereum is yang and i think in humanity there, there are sort of these two types if you like male and female and so bitcoin is male and red meat and self-reliance and uh you know go out into build a farm a farm and and homestead and my family and this sort of thing does that make sense and ethereum is much more rainbows and unicorns and and uh, the other side of the brain if you like um and and so and everything else is lgbt plus divide and and all that gender whatever. i mean not not yeah in a way but not to not to an enormous extent but but I think one has to maybe have the, I don't know whether it's humility or, or anything, to accept that that humanity collectively has different, I mean, it can't be so easily categorized, but it has these different currents of belief. And sometimes one current becomes more dominant than the other, effectively. And so, so, um, and so we find this in cryptocurrency. You have Bitcoin, which, as I say, philosophically has these, uh, this very masculine point of view, and and Ethereum, which has a a, a different point of view. I, I probably they won't like the categorization, but 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 it's it's more inclusive and it's more diverse and it's more this and it's more that and and so. Um, uh, but at the same time, they sort of respect Bitcoin for its purity and strength. I don't know if that, that does that make sense. And well, so I, I know what you're saying. There's but... a grudging reluctance to accept that there's a grudging reluctance to accept that it's good and it's necessary and it's right that it should exist in the Ethereum community. And and the Bitcoin community is is well, it depends on your level of maximalism, but is very vehement saying, no, Ethereum is rubbish, it's wrong, it shouldn't exist. Uh, you see what I mean? So I, I live in the world that I see rather than the one I'd like to. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying, but I don't, I don't think it really matters it, it, what people, what within the community people think, because they're not going to be able to influence this. It's what the man and woman and other on the street think of it and how useful they are going to find it and how they adopt it. Um, a great example of of that I always think of is the... Um, adoption of the Black and Shoals model, when the um, when the, the the people who created the the equation that could potentially be used to price options that didn't exist before, when they were coming up with the theory of it, um, the the markets just went, "Wow, look, there's this new thing, and we can now price options correctly." And they just started doing it. They started using it because it was so good, and 
they didn't have to have a community. They didn't have to talk about it. It was because it fulfilled a role. It did something that was useful to them. And so the argument for me is not whether the one community thinks the other community is good or bad, because ideologically people might think people think like that, but they don't. If they've got to drive from, you know, one end of the country to the other and they know that they're going to pollute the planet, they're not going to care if it's for their own good. So people individually are very selfish and will just do things that are better for them. Um, and so, you know, you, I, I understand what you're saying there, but I, I think it's less relevant to how useful it is to the broader population. And I, but I also thought, you know, one one of the one of the main arguments being that having a, a node on the Ethereum network costs upwards of possibly twenty thousand dollars. I don't know if that's right or not. It's only what Andrew Howard I think said. I may have got that number wrong, but I think that's what he said on our podcast. That doesn't sound very decentralized to me, um, and and that in itself would be enough to to say, look, whatever your arguments are. You, you know, at least with Bitcoin, you can get a normal computer and just download the blockchain and you'll be a node immediately or very quickly. Not so with, with Ethereum, no matter how much better it is. But I think overall, these technologies, as the, um, uh, you know, as the libertarians say, let a thousand flowers bloom. I'm, I'm quite happy for all these new technologies because they could be something that eventually comes out of it that changes the world, a bit like the beginning of the NASDAQ and um, the you know Nasdaq stocks and and the technology stocks and the dot com at right at the beginning of that phase. Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not the right person to argue against maximalist um, maximalist narratives because I sort of half agree with them. But mm. but I think it's important to sort of always some way have in the back of your mind that. You might be wrong, or you might be partially wrong. So, an example of this going slightly back is is my view on the dollar. Like, clearly, I have the right idea, but I'm wrong, or partially wrong, or I'm wrong for a period of time uh, to such an extent that it matters, and so therefore I should have considered the alternative, right? And and so so that that's that's I guess what I'm saying. But I mean, you know, to to sort of echo your points, which are all very well made, and that's right, is that the you know, you have a private monetary instrument, Bitcoin and others, uh, which have been issued, which circulate, which uh, no one sponsored. There was no there was no government department saying, oh, let's issue this thing. It just appeared sort of endogenously. And it exists today. And people are willing to pay $30,000 for it. Basically, it's it's extraordinary. If you think about it, if you just step back and think about it. And so so and so and no one's forcing them to it's entirely voluntary you can't pay taxes with it it's entirely voluntary so so it's just there and it's just existing and it's like a, a sort of amazing endogenous experiment in private monetary issuance that that if it was going to fail should probably have failed by now the the sort of you know, shelling point idea, the Lindy effect idea is that, sorry, the Lindy effect is that, that it's, it's every day that passes is a, is a good day because it's another day where it survived, where it existed, where it continues to have value. People give it value. Some people give it value. Someone somewhere obviously does. Otherwise, the market price wouldn't be $30,000, right? So, so if, if theoretically you say, no, no, that has no value or will have no value or is rat poison or will be worth nothing, who knows? 
But so far, that's not true. So we have to contend with with reality as we see it. And that's the reality. And that's the remarkable thing about Bitcoin um, and other cryptocurrencies, really. So, yeah. Just before we go to MediaPix, sorry, can I just ask one last question? Um, I know that there will be some people who will say, why did you feel the need to disguise your identity? Um, what would you say to the, those people? I, I think that, sadly, we do not live in a free society, contrary to the propaganda. And uh, there are so many signs of this um, in terms of the censorship of social media and, and so on. And therefore, in order to enable me to speak relatively quite freely, which I think has value, um, it's better for me not to make my identity clear um, because uh, the world is so heavily polarized at the moment that, um, and I I gain nothing in any sense. I mean, I gain the great pleasure of your company and I'm delighted you you, you honored me by inviting me, but, but I gain nothing. I mean, nothing financially or in any other event from from speaking is just the pleasure of the intellectual discussion. So in order to remove from it the element of identity, which is so powerful, uh, because people make instant presuppositions based on, oh, he's so-and-so, so therefore, you know, he would think that, wouldn't he? And he, you know, this sort of thing. To, to try and take that out of the discussion and a free intellectual discussion, that's why I think it's it's... It's helpful. Okay. And there is, a, there is a precedent in journalism because The Economist, not that I read it anymore because it's a disgusting communist rag, but, but it, in as much as it isn't, uh, or as much as that, that used not to be the case, all of their columns are written anonymously as well, so none of their columns are um, given a byline. Oh, really? Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. Okay. That's true, yeah. But you yeah. could argue it's now because they'd get death threats if they did publish uh, them under a name. <laughs> Right. So, so Tim, what have you got on the media pick front? So, my, mine, having had a bit of a kind of dearth of, of watchable films, I watched Licorice Pizza. Oh, night, yeah. Right, that's latest, a new one. Yeah, it's the latest uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. And uh, if the name Paul Thomas Anderson is not familiar to you, then you need to think Boogie Nights, Magnolia, um, and I think his, his best by Miles is There Will Be Blood, which is uh, just stunning and i'm sure i've had it as a previous media pick licorice pizza is his 2021 film um it's uh in some respects it's a sort of a rom-com but it's it's it's, it's not as magisterial in 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 in, in tone as, as say there will be blood but it's 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 very well acted it's a wonderful sort of hollywood romantic there's lots of lots of sort of uh little cameo roles of, of real people fairly thinly disguised it's very funny it's wonderfully acted uh first love type um romance drama uh, but it's paul thomas anderson so you have to watch it and it's terrific fantastic um so paravel what 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 have you got um could be a book could be anything could be uh, good or bad. I, I can, is it a book is it a film I, can i say two things of course you can <laughs> of course yeah um as a film I mean, you've probably seen it. I'm sure Tim has, but it's Rashomon. And Rashomon is a Japanese film. So does Snare. 
Yeah, which made in the 50s, and it goes to our discussion about objective truth. What is reality? What is truth? Yes. Reality, what is truth? And it, it shows, you know, the murder of a samurai from four different perspectives, and every one of them has different, completely different story to what happened. Um, and so it's a very good, very interesting film, Rashomon. Um, uh, you've probably seen it, Tim. I have And then so, Rashomon, you. yeah, very good. Um, and uh, 1950. And then there's the Dosadi Experiment, which is a book by Frank Herbert, who is... Your Mr. June. Yeah. And the Dosadi Experiment is a wonderful book. And I mean, sort of uh, not hard to find, but it's not really print. And uh, it, it, it really... Um, it's a very uh, sort of uh, interesting examination of, uh, well, future dystopia, obviously, and different worlds and parallel world. And it talks of this this world called Dosadi, which is sort of an experiment. And uh, in this world, which is an experiment, there's sort of a, a, the, the, the rulers are, well, sort of frogs, for want of a better word. Um, the, the Gorwachim, and uh, then they have like hundreds of millions of humans under their control, which who they control through a variety of mechanisms, um, uh, direct repression and uh, societal mechanisms. And it's just a documentary, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a documentary. <laughs> uh, it is, it is, it is. But that's where the phrase "all governments, every government is run by liars. Nothing they say should be believed." That is, that is Frank Herbert. So. So, uh, so I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic, and I, I highly recommend the Dosadi experiment. Excellent. It, it, mine is I got to see Ryan's Babe. I think I sent you a link, Tim. Did you get a chance to watch it? I haven't seen it. No, not yet. Oh my god, it is so am funny. I, am it's, I in for a treat? Oh, you are in for a but, treat. Oh, no, I think, I think you mentioned it. Is it's 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 beyond. It's it's, it's bad. This is a bad film. Right? Oh, it's a bad film. It is yeah. bad, bad. But it's so bad. It's just so funny. It's just brilliant. It's a it's the rooms room level room dimensions bad. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is. I is still it run for your wife dimensions bad. Well, no, because that's just bad, bad. But this is yeah. this is good, bad. You you know, acting is overacting and <clears throat> poor dialogue, stuff that doesn't make sense, bad camera work ridiculous story. It just just great. You and and you can see that they it's all unintentional which makes it even better of course because that's a, how the room was there's a review of, of a chuck norris film that says uh, chuck norris doesn't so much act as point his beard in the vague direction of the camera which <laughs> oh dear i mean i mean this this film bits of it look like they, they were written by you know i'd say a 12 year old but that's actually insulting 12 year olds possibly yeah. nine, a nine-year-old but just just so funny i was just I loved it because it was so bad, and I, I could see why it's a cult movie for that reason. Um, so um, I'm all on it this weekend. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm up in that film's grill. Right, fantastic. Okay. So um, yeah, so enjoy. And um, you know, once again, Paravel, thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, you know, you may not want to be contacted, but just on the off chance, if there's any any information that can be. Uh, disseminated on the QT in the Underground Resistance Network. Well, you know where to sure, find Tim, I mean, don't you? So if you wanted to do yeah. that, you could get to his Twitter and then he could... Yeah. Or you could come on the show when you've got something not, not to link. Not three times and ask for Deirdre. <laughs> no, Deirdre. I mean, yeah, I mean, people can find me on Discord and um, it's Paravel hash 9147 and you can send me a direct message on Discord. And, and, oh, uh, okay, yeah. great, yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks, 
Tim for saying that because I, I wasn't gonna. I, I thought because you're anonymous, you wouldn't have any any links. Have you thought about Substack for that reason? Yeah, I could do Substack. You're right. I actually, I think I set it up, and uh, I, I should do I should do more there. But um, uh, yeah, no, it's a good idea. I should I should try that. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. Well, we look forward to hearing more. And once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been fascinating. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do your own research or contact a professional advisor.